worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. We sing we make miracle work, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
Good morning, church. How is everyone? I'm so excited for today. I'm excited for the fact that we get to uh, begin to celebrate the Christmas season. Um, it's an honor that we get to gather together. Isn't that true? Amen. And so I'm, I'm glad that we're here. And, you know, as I was thinking about as we celebrate the birth of Christ, I was thinking it's not so much that the miracle is that 
he was born to a virgin. You know, the miracle is that God himself came down from heaven and walked among his people and provided a way through his sinless life through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, that he paid for your sin and my sin, that he would come down among us because he loves us with, with a love that never ends. I think that's really the amazing thing. And, and as I was, I was in my office today, and we've talked about Zephaniah before, but this comes back to me and it says, the Lord your God is in your midst. I love that, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Some translations say he will, he will exult over you with joy. And so if the God of the universe, church, sings over us and celebrates over us, how much more so should we celebrate the work of Christ in our lives? So why don't you stand with me and let's sing and let's celebrate our risen and our holy Savior. Let's sing. Who are you that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking away? Celebrate, we are free. We are
it together with confidence. Such a tiny
See the church. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Luke one thirty nine through 45. Well, you're no spring chicken. That's what my neighbor girl said to me whenever she found out that I was pregnant. Maybe she didn't believe me. I don't know. She's been acting really strange lately ever since they found that scorpion in her girdle drawer. (laughs) Zachariah and I, we had wanted a child of our own for a long time. But all of my hair had just about turned gray, and all of his had turned loose. And by this point, we knew this was just going to be impossible. We were too old. But you see, that's where God loves to work best, in impossible, barren places. And when the angel came to me to tell me that I was going to have a son, I was as well told that his job was going to be to teach our people about the coming Messiah. I just didn't know how much more I could stand. And I looked at Zechariah and I said, how are we going to teach our son to do such a job? But God had all those details worked out too. And when I was about six months into my pregnancy, my cousin Mary, she came for a visit. And the very moment that she walked into the door of our home, the son I was carrying, he flipped inside of me. And I knew right then that she was with child. And his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Nine months later, we heard from Bethlehem. And as Zechariah and I sat there and looked at the miracle that God had given us, we knew that once again, this was a God moment. He does his best work in impossible, barren places. He loves to give gifts. He had shown us he would never leave us. And he had just proven He was never going to leave us again.
before Christ, I lived in a house with a demon. When I was growing up in a Hindu family, a demon possessed my mom every week. Hindus actually believed my mom was a goddess and they called me son of the goddess. I was 25 years old when someone shared the gospel with me and Christ changed me and my entire family. I was no longer the son of the goddess, but son of the living God. As a new believer, I didn't know where to start, but God called men and women into my life to disciple me, to teach me and to walk alongside me as I shared Christ with friends, family and strangers. When God called me into ministry, these men and women, these missionaries became my close friends and partners. We looked out over big cities and tiny villages, choking on false beliefs they had inherited and we begged God to breathe life into them and God answered. God used us and other believers to draw a harvest of dozens, hundreds and thousands to Christ. Together with my partners, I organized these Christians into house churches. We encouraged them in evangelism and we discipled them in God's word. The churches kept growing and the gospel kept going out. Dawn has come for gospel work in South Asia. Join your South Asian brothers and sisters. Join the IMB as laborers in the greatest harvest field in the world. Now is the time. Now it's your turn. Wow. Well, one of the things that we do here at Christmas time is take up our offering for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so if you're not from a Southern Baptist background, may not be familiar with what that is, that is our annual international Christmas offering for Southern Baptists, uh, named after Lottie Moon, a woman who gave her life to missions and uh, serving specifically in China. And so all throughout December, we'll be encouraging you to do that, to give. Uh, you can give either through the app online. Uh, you can go to the Southview Baptist Church app or the website. Give online, just designated Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Give that way. Or you can write a check, designated Lottie Moon Offering, and put it in the bucket, the giving boxes as you leave. 100% of that goes out of here. It does not stay in at all. It goes to the International Mission Board. To do work like that, people with probably a little bit of a different story than you, um, maybe you're in here and you can say, hey, uh, my mom was possessed by a demon growing up, or you just thought she was, I don't know. Um, but just an amazing story of how the gospel sets the most oppressed, dark people on earth free. And this gives us an opportunity to see that work happen. So I want to encourage you to be in prayer this month about how you can give, uh, how you can give towards that to see the gospel go out in places like that. And we want to take just a second, we want to pray for that here. Uh, but the second thing we want to pray for uh, today as well is um, if, if you stay up on the news uh, and current with these sorts of things, the Supreme Court right now is taking a case, um, an abortion case coming out of the state of Mississippi. Um, we want to be in prayer for this. Um, because there's a, it's a good shot here with this case that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Uh, Roe versus Wade was the uh, Supreme Court decision that, uh, in essence, legalized abortion on a federal level. Uh, and so we are praying, uh, just sort of our position as a church, where we're praying, we're praying for the complete and total abolition of all abortion. 
uh, that is our stance, that's our position. Um, I, I understand there are many people have many different views, and I'd be love, happy to talk with you about that, but that position in our church will never, ever, 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 ever change. Um, but we can chat about that if you'd like. Um, so, so that's our position, that's our prayer. Uh, real quick, on a technical perspective, um, if indeed Roe v. Wade is overturned, that is not going to uh, uh, make uh, abortion illegal. That won't be what happens. What will happen on a technical level is it will just get pushed back down at the state level, and individual states can make those decisions. And so what will happen is this. You'll have some states that go very far in either restricting or outright um, uh, making abortion illegal. And you'll have some states that go... Just to prove a point, far to the other extreme, you're going to have states uh, such as California and New York that will make abortion up till the very moment of birth legal, uh, which in some states it already is. Um, so so uh, it, it doesn't completely uh, set aside abortion uh, as a whole, um, but it makes a massive step forward in saving lives, and that is what we're about seeing uh, little lives saved. So let's take just a second and let's pray because I think these two things come very uh, together. They combine us praying to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth and us praying for people to be saved. The whole point of this is there are people who need Jesus Christ to do a work in their life to either save their life or save their soul. And so we believe those two are linked. And so let's take just a minute and, and set this before the Lord together, all right? So God, I just... Um, uh, I thank you, Lord, for this Christmas season. I thank you, God, for the work of the International Mission Board. Uh, it's just an honor to be a part of an organization like the Southern Baptist Convention that does this. So I pray, God, that you would bless our efforts here in this church, God, that we would, by your grace, be used to see funds raised so that the gospel can go out, so that situations like this that we saw here just a few moments ago, people can be reached and saved in the most extreme, oppressed, dark situations. I pray, God, that you would um, allow that to happen. I pray, God, that you would not only empower people in this room to give, but I pray, God, that you would raise people up in this room to go, whether on a short-term trip or to even give their lives to be a missionary around the world. I pray, God, that you would do this. I pray, God, that you would raise up more and more and more men and women in this room that will give their lives to full-time missions. And I pray, God, for this case now before the Supreme Court, I ask you, Lord God, that you would go before it, that you would, um, God, that you would save these little lives. Lord, we believe that every life in the womb is precious. We believe that at conception, that is a distinct individual with a distinct DNA, a distinct soul, someone created in the image of God, and someone for whom you, Jesus, died. And so that is a life that we must fight to protect. So I pray, God, that by your grace that you would see this happen, Lord, that, that um, you would, uh, I thank you, your word says that uh, ultimately the hearts of kings um, are in your hand. You're the one that determines where this thing goes. I know the same thing is true for judges. So I pray, God, that you would do that, that you would um, step before, and that you would, God, allow this to be a decision, God, that saves lives. We ask that you will do this, Lord. And I pray, God, that you will give us wisdom in how to lead out in that as a church, to lead out for life, and to love and care and minister uh, to women who have experienced abortions. I pray, God, that you just, if there's anyone in this room who has gone through that step, I ask you, Lord God, that they would see your grace and your mercy and your love and your compassion today. They would see that you love them and that you desire to forgive them and you desire to make them whole. 
I pray, God, that you would do this. I pray, God, that our heart in ministering in this situation will be full. God, that we would seek to see these little lives saved and we would seek to minister to those who have already made this decision. I pray, God, that you would allow us to see, um, God, just your gospel to change lives in a great way. Do this, Jesus, for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, if you've got a Bible, let's find Romans chapter 15 together, all right? We'll get there in just a second, Romans chapter 15. So uh, we're entering the Christmas season, if you couldn't tell, if you did not know that. Uh, and so we want to take some time during this Christmas season to focus in. And the big idea for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas is Christmas is more than just tinsel and toys. Right? I love all the stuff. We love, the, we, we love all, the, all, all the things that come with it. In the Lynch house, we've been watching Christmas movies since July. Like, we are all in. We love it. Um, but we also want to take some strategic time to focus in clearly, point to the point of Christmas, uh, and that is Jesus Christ. Uh, you maybe grew up in a church situation where you um, uh, observed Advent. And Advent is the, the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, when the word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, um, means coming. Uh, and so the idea is it's pointing to a, a few things. It's pointing to Jesus coming to earth, right, at, uh, as a baby. It's pointing also to Jesus coming again as a victorious warrior king. The first time he came as a hum humble baby. The second time he's coming, he's coming as a warrior king with a sword coming out of his mouth and a tattoo down his leg. Uh, and... He's going to come and take his people. And so Advent looks at these things, and it also looks to not just his coming as a baby, not just his future coming as a king, but also the fact that he now every day comes into our hearts saving lives and changing lives. And we want to see today how that's what Jesus Christ does. So there are four kind of themes of Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and love. And that's going to kind of be our theme for the next few weeks, hope, peace, joy, and love. So we're going to be looking at that leading up to uh, Christmas and seeing how Jesus Christ is the one who gives us true hope, true joy, true peace, and true love. So I'm really excited. Also during this uh, series, you're going to get a chance to hear from all of our pastors sharing God's word. That's going to be amazing to be able to hear uh, how uh, God speaks to them, uh, uh, through them uh, in his word. And so we're going to be really able to uh, see God just do such an awesome, amazing thing. So for, for us today, the starting though, we're going to start with hope. The reason we're going to start with hope is because everything hinges on hope. If you don't have hope, you got nothing. Right? If you don't have hope, you can't have peace. If you don't have hope, you can't have joy. Right? You have to have hope. I heard the story of uh, in World War II... Uh, after World War II, as, as uh, uh, soldiers and, and, and equipment are coming back home, there's a sub, uh, a submarine coming back into Newport News, Virginia. And as it's coming into dock, something happens mechanically, and it begins to sink. And so they call in the Coast Guard. Uh, divers go down trying to find out what's going on, trying to, to see what they can do, because clearly there are uh, sailors inside the submarine. And as divers went down, uh, 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 swimming around the submarine, trying to find out what's going on, they heard one sailor inside the hole with a hammer tapping in Morse code. Is there hope? That's a great question. And I think for a lot of us in this room today, you're asking the same question. You feel like your sub is sinking. And you're asking the question, is there hope? 
Is there a hope for any of them? You can last 40 days without food. You can last three days without water. You can last eight minutes without air. You can't last a second without hope. It is the thing that keeps us going. So do you have hope? How do we get hope? I read a really cool story um, of an earthquake that happened in another country. And there was a school that when the earthquake hit, the school collapsed. And so uh, police and rescue workers, everyone rushes in to try to save lives. And they're pulling out the rubble and digging out the rubble. And, and after hours of digging out uh, dead body after dead body after dead body, they just really kind of stop. But there was a dad whose son was at the school, and the dad ran past all of those workers and dove into the rubble and just started digging. They tried to stop him. Just like, like, it's, it's pointless. There's nothing there, but he refused to be stopped. He kept digging and kept digging and kept digging. He dug for a day. He dug for two days. And on the third day, his hands are just ripped raw down to the bone. He's just trying his best to keep digging. He refuses to stop. And as he's digging, he begins to hear a voice, voices. And so he digs and he digs and he digs. And he hears a little voice going, don't worry, I bet my dad's going to come for us. So he keeps digging, and he finds that it's his son. And he's able to dig him out and dig out all these other kids. Why were these kids having hope? Because there was another kid in the room saying, don't worry, my dad's going to come. Because my dad told me he would never leave me. And the same for you. Your heavenly dad through your Savior Jesus Christ, gave you a promise. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You need hope. What I want you to see today is that hope only comes through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that Psalm 31, 24, Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Isaiah 40, 31, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Hebrews 10, 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because God who promised is faithful. So what is hope? Here's our little definition. Biblical hope is the firm conviction that the future promises of God will be fulfilled. Hope is not wishful thinking. For many of us, hope is this wish, right? I hope this works, and I hope that works, and I hope it doesn't rain, and I hope this thing happens, right? It's, for us, hope is more um, blow out your candles and make a wish, right? You're wishing on something. That is not biblical hope. Biblical hope is not a wish of what might happen. Biblical hope is the firm confidence of what will happen. Why? Because God said it will. And when God says a thing, it happens. Biblical hope is not a wish. Biblical hope is a firm conviction. In fact, Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. A hope that enters in the place behind the curtain the idea is this our hope in God is an anchor that holds us down so that we're not drifting we're not floating we're not bobbing with the tide we get to be secure and stable because our hope 
in God is our anchor. So here's what I want to do. Before we jump into the word and kind of pick this thing apart, I want us to stop for a second and pray. All right? And there's something specific I want us to pray. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, the Apostle Paul is praying over his church. And I think it's so interesting. Listen to how the Apostle Paul prayed for his people. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you. His prayer was that they would know hope. He knew. Now he keeps praying for other stuff. But the first thing he prays for is that they would know the hope of God. Because the Apostle Paul knows what God clearly is saying to us. That hope is the foundation for everything. If you have no hope, you have no peace. If you have no hope, you have no joy. If you have no hope, you're not able to walk in love. Hope is the foundation. So his prayer is going to be our prayer. That God would enlighten, open up the eyes of our heart. Flip the switch on to let us see what? The hope that comes only from God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me just for a minute. And I want to pray over us. I want to ask God that he would do in us what only he can. God, right now, I believe every single person in this room needs hope. Some may be walking in a little more assurance of that than others. But I pray for every one of us, God, that you would allow us today to to have our eyes a little even more opened and enlightened. To know, absolute confident assurance, know the hope that you have called us to. God, I pray that every person in this room, by the work of your Holy Spirit, through your word, God, would walk out of here today with a little more understanding of the hope that comes only from you. Do this in us, God, today for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So a passage that you're going to hear a lot over the next few weeks, we've already heard it recited today, is Isaiah 9. Verse 2 of Isaiah 9 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. So it's talking about people who are in a bad spot, right? It says that they walk in darkness, right? They live in a land of deep darkness. The idea is they are hopeless. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel like you're living in darkness, you're walking in darkness, you're planted in darkness, you're just, everything around you seems black, you have no hope. However, what you see also in verse 2 is there's a light that starts to shine, right? What does it say there? On them a light has shone. What's the light? Well, jump down to verse 6 of Isaiah 9. It tells you what that light is. For to us a child is born... To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, The light that's bringing hope is a child, and we know that child is Jesus Christ. The point is, hope, true hope, eternal hope, unswerving hope, anchor for your soul kind of hope is only found in Christ and in Christ alone. 
So let's jump to Romans chapter 15. Let's see how this pieces together, where hope comes from, and how by God's grace we're going to be able to walk in that. So Romans chapter 15, pick it up in verse 12. All right, Romans 15 verse 12. It says, and again, Isaiah says, so again, we, we just read Isaiah, now we're reading Isaiah again. The first we saw in Isaiah 9, this is actually going to be quoting from Isaiah 11. Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. So now, the root of Jesse, that's an Old Testament way of describing Jesus. Jesse was the father of King David, and Jesse is the 27 times great-grandfather of Jesus on earth. All right, so the root of Jesse the idea of like if you have a root and then fruit comes, the, you know, whatever kids come out from Jesse's line, that's the fruit, right? So the idea is the root of Jesse, this is Jesus. It says the root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. So this coming Savior is the one who's going to give us hope. And how does that hope come about? That's verse 13. May the God of hope fill you. With all joy and peace and believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So let's pick this apart just for a second, okay? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So first, may the God of hope. Step one for you living and walking in hope is to reject all the false places you're trying to find hope. In verse 13, God is described as the only source of hope. The God of hope. He's the creator of hope. He's the giver of hope. He's the only source of hope. Hope comes from nowhere or no place or no one but him. Part of the reason we struggle to walk in hope is because we're trying to find it in places other than God. Many of us are trying to find hope in a change of circumstances. When my marriage gets better, then things are going to be good. When my job gets better, then things are going to be good. When my health gets better, then things are going to be good. Or you're placing hope in people's um, uh, behaviors, right? When my husband stops doing this, when my wife starts doing that, when my kids grow up out of this stage, then things are going to get better. We're placing hope in a change of circumstances. If this thing happens or that thing changes or this thing, then, okay, that, let's, just, let's just get to that point. When we just get to that point, then everything's going to be all right. You're placing hope in a circumstance. And when you get to that point and that thing does change, if it does, then what? There's usually something else. Because your hope is not found in your circumstance. Your hope can only be found in Christ and Christ alone the source of hope. I heard a really interesting story about um, uh, T.E. Lawrence. You may know him as Lawrence of Arabia. So uh, there's a movie about him. He's a real guy. Uh, he's known for his work in the Arab world in the early 1900s. And so it's this really neat story of him taking a group of Arab men to London for the first time. Right? So they grew up in the desert. Right? They're nomads in the desert. And he takes them to London. Right? So they're amazed by the buildings and the architecture and the just blown away by all the people but the thing that shocked them the most when they walked into the hotel and they got in their rooms was the running water i mean these people 
live in the desert trying to find water to sustain you and your family and your livestock. That's 90% of their day. And the fact that you can walk in a room and do that and water comes out, blew their mind. So after their stay, they're leaving. And housekeeping came in to clean up afterwards and they discovered that these Arab men had taken all the faucets off the sink, stuck them in their bag, and took them with them. And so they stopped and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? We have to bring this water back to us. This is amazing. People die where we come from because they don't have water. And the fact that these things just give you water, we got to take them with us. What was wrong? They didn't understand the fact that the faucet doesn't magically give you water. The only way the faucet gives you water is, is if it is attached to the source. The only way you get hope is if you're plugged in to the source. And many of you are struggling with hope because you're not connected to the source. So what else does biblical hope give us? You keep looking at that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This idea of being filled up to the very top with all joy, all peace. When you hope in the Lord, we're going to talk about hope and peace and joy and love in the weeks to come. The only way you have that is if you have hope. It's amazing. So then how do we get it? Here we go. May the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace. What? In believing. Hope comes from believing. Believing what? Believing in God. But, but, but what about that? Not just believing in God, believing that there is a God, believing that God is nebulously going to do a thing. There's something specific that we're believing. And you, if you jump back up to verse 4 in Romans 15, it's going to tell you. I'm going to put it on the screen, or if you have a Bible, look at it. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. If you have a Bible and a pen, underline that. I would encourage you to memorize that. Right? Little Ben memorized way more than you have, all right? So we saw that. It's possible. Romans 15, 4. Where does this hope come from? For whatever was written in former days, talking about Scripture, was written for our instruction. The Bible, the Bible is given to you to, to instruct you, to teach you, to command you, to correct you. It's written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have Hope. God-given, unshaking hope comes as a result of diving into God's word and believing what God tells you in it. Show me someone with anchor of the soul kind of hope. And I'm going to show you someone who probably spends significant time abiding in God's word. Diving into it, they're studying it, they're reading it, they're meditating on it, they're memorizing it. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're turning on uh, 
audio Bible. Listen to that as they work out and run. They're just soaking their lives in it. It's actually not complicated. It gets super easy. If we just listen to what the scriptures are telling you. Those who, through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, have hope. So let's, let's back up and kind of reverse engineer this thing. Do you have hope? Do you walk in hope? Do you live in hope? Do you abound in hope? Do you overflow in hope? If the answer to that question is no, A, don't condemn yourself, all right? The, the, the reason the Bible speaks so much to, to calling us to hope is because God knows that's something that's going to, something that we have to be called to, right? That's why the Apostle Paul had to pray for his people to have that in Ephesians chapter 1 because he's got to call us up to this. We've got to pray that God does this in us. So if you, if you feel like hope is lacking in you, don't be discouraged, don't be condemned. Let's see, how do we walk that road? How do, we, how do we grow in hope? Romans 15, 4. Whatever was written in former days was written for your instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, you might have hope. I know that the Bible can be intimidating it can it's uh it's it's big it's a lot of words um you know you uh we're coming up on january right one of the big new year's resolutions for everybody i'm gonna read the bible right so you start in genesis and your goal is you're gonna read genesis all the way to maps right you're just gonna do it you get genesis one you're feeling good you're doing it you get behind a little bit like, that's all right, that's all right, that's all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block off some extra time on Saturday. I'm going to read, and you catch up, and you, and you try your best, and then you get to like the Leviticus or something, and you just go, ah, I got three chapters on skin diseases. I'm out, right? I got, I don't know. And I believe that happens for a couple of reasons. I believe, number one, Satan desperately wants to keep you from this word. He desperately wants to. Why? Because he knows if he can keep you hopeless, you're harmless. You do nothing for the kingdom, much less for your own soul. Keeping you in a state of hopelessness is his goal. And he knows the key to walking in hope is believing God. And the only way you know what to believe and how to believe and what the result of that belief is going to be is from his word. So he tries desperately to keep you from that. So on a practical level, we'll try to help you, help you in a couple of ways. One is this. Um, beginning in the year, probably around February, our goal is, so, so we, um, our desire here at, at, at Southview is to lead everyone to revere Jesus Christ as the greatest, most glorious, worship-worthy person in the world. And to enjoy Him as the greatest treasure on earth. And the only way you're going to do that 
is by nurturing that relationship with him in his word. And so one of the ways that we want to help you do that beginning the year is we're going to uh, offer a class on just very simply, basically, here's how to read the, here's how to read the Bible. Here's how to study the Bible. Here's how to get something from it. We want to help you. Our, we believe our job is to equip you, to disciple you. We want to help you do that. So that's coming up in a few months, okay? That's, gonna, that's coming. So have that kind of on your mind, in your calendar. But I want to encourage you not to wait till then. Listen, if, if you see your need to dive in to the Word and you feel inept to do so, just call me. Reach out to one of our other staff. Reach out to your journey group leader. Reach out to just someone in the church that you know seeks to spend time with the Lord. And just sit down over coffee and go, how, so how do you do that? What does that look like? And let them walk you through just how they do it. The point is to disciple people who can then make, who, who, who can walk in the Lord and then help other people do the same thing. Hope only comes from believing. And belief can only come from the Word of God. And then you see kind of how the verse ends. I love this. Look at verse 13 again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Look at this last little line. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That word power, um, it's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite, right? Kaboom. The power of the Holy Spirit, so that through the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound, overflow in hope. It is the Holy Spirit who makes God's word real in my heart. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches me God's truth. He is the one who leads me into all truth. He is the one who illuminates God's word in my heart so that I can run to him and know who I am in Christ and what I am to receive. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, working through the word of God, hope abounds. Jesus Christ came so that you can have hope. Jesus Christ came to take away your sin. So that as you see your sin, repent of your sin, trust by faith in the work of Jesus Christ to die in your place and rise again, taking away all that separates you and God so that you can now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, dive deeply into God's Word, abide there, live there, dwell there, and let belief in what God has called you to and who He's called you to be and who He says that He is fill you with hope. So, I got a visual aid. So, for many of us, we are either this balloon or that one. And we know the difference, right? This one I filled with my own lungs and almost passed out. That one is filled with helium. We know the difference, right? This one floats for a little bit and then drops. That one, there's so much air in it, I have to tie it down or it's just going to go all the way up to the sky. So for a lot of us, 
This is how our life is with hope. We're hoping in other things. I hope my marriage gets better, but then that goes down. hope my kids act better, but then that goes down. I hope my health is better, but that goes down. And you're spending the bulk of your energy trying to bump yourself with hope. You're looking for other things to fill you with hope. Other things to make you full of joy. Other things to give you peace. You're looking for anything. And so you get a little bump and you feel good. And then it sinks. And then you try it again and it sinks. And then well, I'm going to try a different church. And then it sinks. You spend all of your energy, all of your time, all of your effort trying desperately to bump you up with more hope. But it just falls back down. Conversely, there's a different kind of belief. And the reason this one floats and this one sinks is because they're filled with two very different things. And the reason some Christians sink with no hope and some Christians float with hope regardless of what's happening in their lives because they're filled with two very different things. Brothers and sisters, want you to hear today God's desire for your life is that you would be this and not this and how you're going to be this instead of this is by realizing Jesus Christ came to earth so that he could take away your sin fill you with the spirit of God so that through the power of the Holy Spirit the word of God can come alive in you and fill you with hope as you believe who God says he is This is your Christmas present. Your choice today, will you unwrap it? I can't make you do that. That one's on you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for me. I'm going to give you a minute to sit before the Lord and pray. Start by just asking yourself a very honest question. Do you have hope? Would you say that your life is filled with hope? Do you spend your time and energy trying to artificially bump yourself up? New job, new toys, new relationships, whatever it can be, to give just a little more, just another bump of hope. Well, when this situation is over, and when this is done, and when, when this deployment is finished, and when, when this thing at school is finally over, and when this assignment at work is finally done, and when I finally retire, or the kids finally get out of school, or the kids then things are going to be different. No, they will not. Not in any eternal hope of God kind of way. Lord God, I pray over your people here this morning.
I pray that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us. Draw us in, Lord, for your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Take just a minute. You sit before the Lord. Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you for the hope that comes only from you. We thank you, God, for good moments like today where we have to look in the mirror and realize we're not walking in hope and we're looking for a bunch of artificial things to try to fill us with hope. I thank you for those moments. Those are given by you, by an act of your grace. It's because you love us and you want to set us free from things that aren't really going to give us hope. So I pray, God, exactly what you'll do. I pray, God, today that you would set us to understanding of where true hope really comes from. We'll be changed by it. Draw us to you, Lord. Draw us to hope that comes only from you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, for all of you here today, again, just thank you so much. Again, our desire as a church is that we would disciple and raise you up to find true life just in Christ. If you're a guest with us, we're really glad that you're here. We want to connect with you just as a step towards us um, helping you do that. So if you're a guest with us, you can just grab your phone and text the word CONNECT to our number. 910-424-1298. Just text CONNECT right now. We'll send you a link. Tap on that. Just a way for us to connect with you, just so we can pray for you, help you, answer whatever questions you have, minister to you in the best way possible. And for all of our announcements, everything that's going on, we have three big announcements we want to give you today. One, Ladies of Grace Christmas Brunch, that's our ladies' ministry. They have a Christmas brunch December 11th at 10 o'clock. Tickets are $15. You can still grab those as you exit out this door. $15, ladies, grab a ticket uh, for that. You're not going to want to miss that this weekend. Also, our Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve at 5 o'clock. We're going to have you in at 5. We promise you are back in the car driving away by 6. All right? But just come. It's a great chance for us to gather together on Christmas Eve and just wrap our hearts around Jesus Christ, who He is. And so come be a part of that. Make that a part of your Christmas tradition this year. And with that, we would love for you to be a part of the service on Christmas Eve. We want to give you a chance to be a part. The way that you can do this is through what we're doing, these cardboard testimonies. It's a chance for you to be a part of sharing just a little bit of what God has done in you and how uh, Christ has changed you. And I think, do we have a video kind of explaining this a little bit? If so, let's hit it.
is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. This is just a little opportunity for you to share just a snippet of what Christ has done for you. I love standing up here and talking and teaching and doing that. I love that. But some of the most impactful things we've ever seen is when you share your story. Uh, in the book of Revelations, it says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, what Jesus Christ has done in us. We want to give you a chance to do that. So if you're interested in that, um, there's going to be an information meeting this coming Sunday uh, in the multimedia room after the 11 o'clock service. Um, if, you're inter- if you can be a part of that, please do so. If you're just interested, you want Pastor Scott, our worship pastor, to reach out to you, talk to you, answer some more questions, text the word Jesus to our number, all right? 910-424-1298. Just text Jesus. We'll get that. We'll know what that means. And Pastor Scott will be in touch with you about that and how you can be a part of that. But we really would love for you to do that. It's just such going to be an amazing time for us to share about who Jesus is and what he's done in us. And, and one more quick announcement also. As you leave out each side, we have a little angel tree. Um, we're partnering with the Falcon Children's Home. And so you can go out either door, get a little uh, uh, ornament off that tree, share what a child at the Falcon uh, um, uh, Children's Home would like for Christmas. And then you can get that, get it to us, and we'll make sure that's given to them so we can bless them this Christmas. Really excited about that. So go out either door and you'll be able to find that all right and for all other announcements everything that's going on just download the app southview baptist church app so you can see what's going on get plugged in find a journey group give online you can give through the app or on the boxes as you leave whatever is best for you but we just are so excited about what christ is doing about the hope that only he gives and how joyful we get to live because jesus christ is our hope amen so lord god we just thank you We thank you, God, for the hope that only comes from you. We thank you, God, for the life that only comes from you. And I ask you, Jesus, that you will allow us to be people abounding in hope because we believe you and your word. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you so much. Have a great day. I was breathing, I was breathing.